Thank you for joining us for this message today. If you're new to the church or want to connect in any way, check us out at harborcitychurch.org. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much. And with that, let's jump into the message. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today we're starting a new series called Essentials in Crazy Times. In biblical times, it was crazy as it was as crazy as it is now. People were out to kill Jesus, and once they thought Jesus was dead but came back to life, they wanted to kill his followers, and his followers were not aware of how crazy things were going to get. And that is probably where the phrase, how many have ever heard the phrase, cray-cray? Cray-cray probably originated really in the uh, New Testament uh, times. And saying crazy is what it means, out there ideas and thoughts. But today I want to bring to you a message of victory in crazy times. So let's look at Matthew 24 and we're going to be looking at verse 1 through about the first 14 verses. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat down or sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us. When will all these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. And that word nation there is the word ethnos, which literally means race against race. And kingdom against kingdom, or country against country. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended will betray one another, and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Other translations say, wax cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, we'll stop there for now, but let me just give you a little background. The story begins with Jesus and his disciples at the temple, 
that Herod built, and they want to show the magnificent uh, display of architecture and structure that, that Herod built to Jesus and want him to be in awe like they're in awe. And uh, they want him to see that Herod is trying to restore and bring the former glory of the temple that Solomon had built. And as they're giving him the grand tour, so to speak, sometime during their little speech, Jesus says, look at this temple and the stones that are holding it up. And by the way, they're in the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives was up high enough where you can see all of Jerusalem. And you look right from the Mount of Olives right down to where the temple is. And by the way, these stones were massive. Uh, Lois and I were there and able to visit. And as we were, uh, the stones were probably as wide as this stage and as high as this ceiling, uh, one upon another. So uh, pretty magnificent uh, stones. So he tells them to focus on the stones of this man, uh, of this man-made temple, and then lets them know that uh, as much as they're impressed with what man has accomplished here, that shortly not one of these stones will be standing upon another, but this temple will topple and be demolished. And Jesus' statement shocks the disciples. Uh, it, it, It just took him back when that everything their Jewish leaders and their nation had built uh, was going to come to an end. And let me just say, you guys need to know that everything that the United States has built apart from God will not last. It's going to come to an end. We cannot put our trust in what we think made us great other than God himself. And so... Uh, This statement shakes the disciples, so they come to Jesus privately in the evening so they can kind of get some closure on the statement that he's made, and they ask him two pressing questions. The first one is, when will the end be? And this deals with timing. This is a question I'm hearing from all sorts of people all the time. Pastor Doug, when is the end going to be? I don't know. It says in the Bible, no man knows the day nor the hour. But let me say this. It does tell us we can know the time of the season. So you may not know the day nor the hour, but you could possibly figure out from uh, chronological timing uh, mentioned throughout Scripture, possibly the year. Okay, So that's just uh, food for thought. And uh, I think many of us want to know the when, because we want to know how long we can mess around and then get right before Jesus shows up and uh, how much can we get away with. And so uh, that's just, just a thought, by the way. The second question is, what will the signs be of your coming? And again, that shows us what to look for so we can figure out, okay, it's getting close, I better straighten up my life. But the amazing thing about Jesus' answer is that he didn't tell them what they wanted to hear, but he told them what they needed to hear. And they wanted to know the when and the what when it comes to the second coming of Jesus. They want to know who the Antichrist is and when is he going to show up? What nation will he come from? And will the Jews and the Muslims both accept him? And in this text, Jesus uh, shifts gears and he says, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear concerning the essentials of when that time comes in the days ahead, because things are going to get crazier than they are right now. 
And I do believe things are going to get crazier whether you do or not, all right? Now, that's just my opinion. You can have your own, but cray-cray is coming, I'm telling you, okay? So he throws them a few bones, though, like uh, before he gives them the essentials. He, he tells them, nation will rise against nation, and there will be wars and famines. And by the way, uh, I, I've I experienced wars my entire life. I was born in 53. Before I was born was World War II. Uh, Hitler was on the rise. In fact, uh, everybody thought Hitler was the Antichrist. And uh, he certainly certainly showed uh, good form. And uh, But fortunately, that came to an end. And uh, uh, the world went on. But that, So there's wars and rumors of wars, famines. How many know there's famines throughout the world right now? There's, there's viruses. This is not a new thing. There's always been viruses, okay? So just, just know uh, this is not the end of things. Uh, God's going to take care of this. But as it says, there'll be earthquakes in various places. I mean, you know, we have a fault just uh, off the, the Pacific Ocean, outside the Pacific Ocean, or off the Pacific, in the Pacific Ocean, off of uh, ocean shores right out here. So uh, they're predicting an earthquake will come. Some say any day, some say uh, 50 years, 100 years. Whatever, there'll probably be a, an earthquake. We've already experienced a few. But the, the thing is, is these are just the beginning. All right, and then it says, then Jesus says, and you will be hated for believing in me. That's the thing you ought to take into consideration, all right? So I want you to have at least, he's saying, I want you to have some, at least five essentials here in these crazy times as part of the fabric of your life and in your spirit. So Jesus gives them and us five essentials they're going to need, and we're going to need them today as well. Now, before I give you the first essential, let me give you the definition of essential. So on your notes, you can write this down. The word essential means absolutely necessary, indispensable. In other words, you can't get along without it. So Jesus wants you and I to know in these crazy times, uh, these are the things that are absolutely necessary and indispensable for yours in my life, if we're going to be making it through this. So verse 4 gives us the first one. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. So here's the first essential that is absolutely necessary and needs to be a part of your fabric, all right? Here it is. Take heed to understand deception in these crazy times. So the word heed means to take inventory. That's not on your notes, but you might want to write it down. It means, uh, am I carrying inside of me what it takes to not be deceived in these crazy times? And uh, he's saying the number one priority for you and me is, uh, and I is not what's going on out there, but you need to look at what's going on in here. He's saying when you start seeing the crazy signs of a cashless society, when you start seeing uh, a one-world government begin to emerge, when you start seeing worldwide disasters and epidemics begin to be more prominent, when you start seeing uh, a world leader begin to emerge that everybody's beginning to look to to bring a system uh, of saving uh, all of us from all of our problems, Jesus is saying, you know what? You might want to take some inventory. 
You might want to take heed. You might want to look to yourself and say, do I have the goods inside of me to get me through this situation? It's not what's out there. It's what's inside of me. So he's saying, when you start seeing the signs in these crazy times, the question to be asking is this. How's my devotional life? How am I doing with the Lord on a daily basis? How's my worship and prayer going? Am I lifting up my hands in the car when I leave this place? Am I lifting up my hands and being demonstrative with the God I love in my house, in my bedroom, when I'm alone or when I'm with family? How's my, uh, my choices going after God? Am I living a self-centered Christian life or am I staying passionate for God, fired up for God, and fired up for the lost? So the first thing we need to do is take heed, take inventory, and see if what you and I are doing is, supposed to, is supposedly what we're, we're supposed to be doing. Okay, then it says that no one deceives you. The word deceive here means to cause one to go astray, to cause one to be led aside from the right way, and to cause one to be led away from the truth and walk in error. Now, uh, I... Last night we watched a, a crazy movie. We have three teenagers with us right now. We went and took our family home on Friday and picked up two more kids from Colorado. Uh, they were here in the first service. I didn't speak so well. They wanted to stay for the second, so they they went down to to the beach, which I don't get why you would want to be at the beach. But anyway, so, so they're down there. But anyway, they said, uh, Papa Doug, could you pick a movie for us to be on the edge of our seat. So I did. I'm not going to tell you the movie. <clears throat> but what I found in this movie is that they, there are these two girls in the shopping mall, and one girl says to another, uh, she's trying to get her to say a swear word. And the girl says, uh, you can't say it. She says, I can say it. I just don't want to say it. And here's the point, that... In these last days, what happens to so many people, because there's going to be pressure of getting us to live a certain way. It's not going to be popular to be a Christian. It's not going to be popular to believe in this Bible. It's not going to be popular to go after God. It's going to be popular to do the opposite. And people are going to try to get you to have pressure on your life to get you to choose to go against this. And you've got to be strong enough to say, I don't care what you think. I know the God I love, the God I serve, and I'm standing strong for him. So what happens is when we look at the word antichrist, here's what the word anti means. It means to oppose and to replace. So this antichrist spirit, by the way, I, I think it's much more of a spirit than everybody looking for a person. I'm not saying a person won't show up, but the spirit's already here, all right? And it wants to oppose and replace the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. This spirit opposes truth, which means this spirit opposes Jesus and every person who stands for Jesus. And so if you stand for Jesus, it's going to come against your life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this spirit is going to come after godly people. His strategy, uh, this anti-spirit uh, uh, strategy or has a twofold purpose, and he's going to attack the world and attack us on how we live. So he's going to try to deceive to incite the world to rebel against God. How many are seeing that everywhere we go? So anyone 
who knows their Bible knows this has been happening for decades in America, especially the last 50 years. So when I went to school, we prayed, actually in kindergarten, we prayed to start the day. We pledged the allegiance in our class and we sang uh, the Star Spangled Banner or whatever we did. Uh, Anyway, the point is, within a few years after that, All of that stopped. Separation of church and state came in, which is a lie, by the way. It's not in the Constitution at all. So you need to know your Constitution, and you need to know your Bible. I suggest you know this first, then the Constitution, all right? So what we're seeing today is a moral freefall in the world, but especially in the United States of America. And in the last 50 years, everything has changed, like we said. So there's a growing rejection of God's word, Uh, and rebellion to biblical immorality. The second strategy, and this is not in your notes, is to seduce God's people with worldly living to keep them from trusting and serving Jesus. And we can see that more and more. I'm seeing this more and more. People start well in serving God, but they're not finishing well. All right? So the Spirit wants to replace your godliness. He wants to replace your prayer life with busyness. He, the Spirit understands if He can keep you off your knees, He can keep you from going forward and the church from moving forward. The Spirit understands prayer, prayerlessness is pride and prayerfulness is humility. So the, the Spirit understands that God opposes the proud. Or, or prayerless people, but he gives grace to the humble, those who get on their knees and exalt God above their circumstances, their situations, their marriage, their, their, their finances, and, and their church, all of that. God sees that. So in these crazy, crazy times, you need to know God has much more for you than you have wa- uh, yet walked into, okay? So the danger Dangers that believers are going to fall into is number one, you're just going to, you're going to be tempted to fall into worldly living. First John 2, 15 through 18, not on your notes. This verse, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So how do I know if I'm falling out of love with Jesus and more in love with the world. Here's how you know. It's when you love power, pleasure, and possessions more than you love Jesus. He doesn't want you to fulfill your your purpose and destiny. Uh, the, The Spirit doesn't. So what he does is he uses the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life to seduce us away from serving God to uh uh, from serving God to our full capacity. And so uh, that happens in all of our lives. So Jesus is telling us he is better than any government. He's better than any monetary system. He's better than any world leader. And take inventory and know your convictions, know the word of God, and live your faith in Jesus like never before in these crazy times. Now, the next verse is verses six and seven, and this is where we'll, we'll end up stopping today after I give you the second one. It says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but watch this. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So Jesus isn't telling him who the Antichrist is, uh, where, where it's all gonna happen, all of that. He's telling him this. Here's the second key essential. He's telling them, don't be agitated is an essential in crazy times. 
So he's saying, take inventory. Uh, he's saying, don't fall into deception. And then he's saying, that word troubled means agitated. It means to be alarmed. It means to be frightened. So Jesus is telling him, don't let a spirit of agitation get on you in these crazy times. And if you don't watch out, this agitation will get on you, take over your soul, and it will take over your mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit of agitation will just get on. I, it, it really bothers me when I see Christians just going, ha, 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 I don't know what I'm going to, I'm telling you, you should know Jesus. He's bigger than the situation. He's bigger than COVID-19. Now, so you know, you've got to stay strong in this. If you don't, you'll fall into this craziness of, of agitation and anger and being upset. And here's what you need to know. In the last 10 months, divorce in America has gone up 27%. Also, the lockdown with COVID-19, we've had more deaths of suicide than we've had of COVID-19. But you don't hear about that. Race is fighting against race. One group is hating another group. Depression is up. Drug and alcohol use is up. And child abuse is up. The opposite of agitation is peace and God's love in our lives. Isaiah 26.3, you might want to write that one down. I'm going to uh, paraphrase it in a way that it's personalized. I will keep you in perfect peace because your mind is stayed on me. Not COVID-19, not, not the end times, and because you have put your trust in me. One way peace comes into our lives is because of preparation. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a control freak at times, and when I'm prepared, I feel better. Uh, my wife will tell me I over-prepare for a sermon. Better be over-prepared than under-prepared, wouldn't you think? Okay, so... I, and that's why we have 45-hour sermon. No, 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 just kidding. So one way peace comes into our lives is through that preparation. So he tells us to take heed and to take inventory, and he tells us not to let agitation take over our lives. Now, this may be a surprise to some of you, but <clears throat> as a grade schooler, I was in the Cub Scouts. And I, my brother and I, we had our little blue shirts and our little gold ties, and we wore uh, our shirts every Wednesday to school. And then we would go right after school to our den mother's house. And there were probably 12 of us. The thing that, the reason they were den mothers is because men didn't do this. Den mothers made treats. Yeah. So right after school, where do you think we wanted to go? My brother and I were right there. Mrs. Overby, I remember her as long as I live. She had the best treats. So for two years, we're there, fifth grade, sixth grade, every day. And then after I get out of sixth grade, they come to me and they say, hey, you want to be in Boy Scouts? I'm thinking, sure. If it's anything like Cub Scouts, I'm in for treats. Yeah, I'm going there. So I get the shirt and... Uh, I find out that it's not in a den mother's house. It's at the school in the evening, and we're meeting. There's no treats, and uh, I'm finding that, that this is not what I thought it was supposed to be. This is work, all right? So here you can write this down. The scout motto is always be prepared in mind and body to do your duty. Now, if you want to make it a Christian motto, it should say, always be prepared in mind and body and spirit to do your duty. And so in scouting, uh, we went to scout camp. 
and we learn to hike and learn the essentials of uh, taking a hike and being on a journey. So uh, I just want you to know I brought a backpack today, and I want you to know on your notes today, uh, these are all natural, but you can find a spiritual meaning for every one of these. So the first one on your notes you can write down is first aid kit. All right, there you go. This, I got this out of my car this morning. It's never been used. It's been there for five years. But I have it just in case we ever do need it. All right. The next one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The water bottle. Where did she put that water bottle? Oh, it doesn't really matter. We'll just skip on down. Flat uh, Binoculars. Rope. Now, this is not on there, but you always need a rope. Let me tell you why you need a rope. You need a rope to tie down your tent in a storm, and you need a rope to rescue somebody. Now, this is where my life began to change in Boy Scouts, because in Boy Scouts, you've got to know how to tie knots. How many of you know how to tie knots? Raise your hand. I want to be with you in a storm, okay? Because I never learned my knots, and I never made it past tenderfoot. There's a second-class scout, first-class scout, all the way up to Eagle Scout. So my brother and I quit after <laughs> tenderfoot, but ropes are important. So, but I, you know what I found is important? If you don't know how to tie a knot, go to Walmart and get one of these. They already have a hook on it, and you can winch it down, and it works real, real good. Okay, all right. Now, it also says we need, uh, we need a fire starter. This is the, I, I got the long one because I've tried the short ones on the barbecue. I've almost blown myself up, so I got the long one. Okay, and then uh, food. Uh, this is Korean barbecue jerky. I don't know why I got Korean, but, um, you know, if, if it works, there you go. All right, and then uh, I got a map, and, and here's important. If you're going to go hiking, get a map that's plastic, so when it rains, your map stays good, all right? Now, uh, let's see what else. Oh, rain gear, yeah. Here's my rain gear. And uh, this is a case when the storm comes. How many would like to use this today? All right, no, just, all right. And then, let me just say this. I always carry a special set of glasses in case I fall and lose my glasses. I have an extra set, all right? Yeah, that's smart thinking, you know? That's, that's my scout training right there. All right, oh, and here's the water bottle, by the way. There we go. It was on the bottom. And then, this is not on your list up there, but you might want to write this down. Toilet tissue. I'm not going to tell you what that's for. I hope you already can figure that out. But it's important when you're stuck out there in the woods. And a compass. Compass is very important. All right. Now, let me just say this. I have a flashlight in there somewhere as well. But here's the point. Every one of these can be spiritualized. You, you, you and I are first aid kits to a lost world. You and I are here to help people who have been hurt by their circumstances, and God has sent you and I as his arms and his feet and his healing to many people's lives. You and I uh, are the, need the water bottle. This represents the word of God. When you find yourself getting mixed up, you've got to get back in the word because it says, uh, in Ephesians 5, the, the word is like the washing of the water by the word. It washes over your mind, renews your mind. And then 
uh, the, the word of God is like a compass and it's, and it's like a map. It tells us where to go and it's like a flashlight. The Bible tells us that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Psalm 111, 105. All those things to say that all of these are essentials and the, the word of God is like a sword or a knife and that sharp two-edged sword. And God has put his word in you so that you can help others. And when you speak in love the word of God to other people, guess what? They get convicted and they get uh, a desire to want more of the Lord Jesus. And let me just say this lastly as we're getting ready to close. Everybody needs a fire starter. You know what the fire starter is? The Holy Spirit. You need the fire of God in your life like never before. And worship is what does that. Being in the presence of of God's people together, lifting our hands up together, the Holy Spirit comes in, floods our souls, and begins to light a fire in us like never before. And there's nothing more that you will need in these days than the fire of the Holy Spirit in every one of our lives. So stay close to the Holy Spirit. Stay close to his words, uh, to his word. These are two essentials, and I'll give you three more in a couple weeks, all right? So we're gonna stop right there. Let's all stand, and we're gonna continue to worship this morning. And as we do, let me say again, as as we're worshiping right now, you didn't walk into this place by accident. And God's talking to you, and he's telling you, you know, this may be your day. In fact, I think it is your day to come back to Christ. Maybe you gave your life to Christ at one time, but you're not sure that you would be in heaven today. So today's your day. If you've never given your life to Christ, today's your day. It's time to take inventory. Let's worship and believe God is going to flood your midst. Let's, Let's sing. Thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of great resources for you over at harborcitychurch.org. Come check us out, and I hope you have an awesome week.